Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. My guest today is Richard Lewis. We talk about how he first got into technology, his time as a developer advocate, and his transition into being a DevOps engineer. I hope you enjoy. Great. Uh, Well, hello, Richard. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Doing well. Um, thanks so much for, for being on the show. Um, my guest today is Richard Lewis, currently a DevOps consultant at 3Cloud. Um, previously worked at Coyote Logistics for a number of years and a whole slew of different roles, including a developer advocacy role. And then you've been in the, the IT um, world for, for many years. Yes, sir. Did I miss anything? Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Three companies, see Sears, Coyote, and now 3Cloud. So there you go. Well, threes, two, right? <laughs> two Chicagoland um, staples, right? Sears and and uh, um, and Coyote. Could you share a little bit about Three Cloud um, for for people who don't aren't familiar with them? Yeah, so Chicago. I mean, Three Cloud is definitely a Chicago company. Started here, uh, started by two gentlemen uh, who worked for Microsoft, and uh, realized that the opportunity was there to, you know, grow the professional services business around Azure. And just tailoring to clients who were adopting the Azure or, you know, running into conflicts with Azure. And they just built the whole business around that. Uh, started about five years ago. I joined them last year. I was employee number 70-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're sitting at about 340 employees, what, about a year and a half later. Wow. It's <laughs> a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, growth. Uh, it's, it's been pretty interesting and exciting at the same time. A lot yeah. of companies came to Azure during the uh, during the pandemic. Sure, you know it's interesting. I feel like um, I, I we don't have to talk about this too much, but when I was recruiting in the DevOps space years and years ago, I felt like AWS kind of had that that first like almost like sprint, and I got ahead a little bit. But then it felt like Azure slowly started. I think just making it easier to use and maybe working with companies to make their their platform um, a little bit more accessible overall. And then I feel like that gap has been drastically closing over the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, I, I would credit a lot of that probably to like uh, folks like Donovan Brown and uh, Abel who were able mm-hmm. to like bring a lot of that information to the user, the users of here's how you can actually do DevOps or here's how you implement DevOps. Mm-hmm. And even though they did it from like a, you know, I would say like a generic perspective, like they talked about, you know, you don't necessarily need to use a certain tool. You can mix the tools together, but they still brought it with the whole sense of like, Hey, any platform, any tool, it's just a matter of, can you get your automation together? Do you have a nice, you know, continual delivery and continual automation kind of system going on? Yeah. Interesting. And here's a link at the bottom to talk to, to Microsoft Azure consultants, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Got it. Yeah. Cool. And can, can you share a little bit about um, kind of your team in particular and kind of what your role looks like? Yeah. So I'm part of the uh, DevOps and DevSecOps uh, 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 practice. And what we mainly focus on is uh, a couple of different things. We help clients either, you know, automate some of their processes on Azure, uh, learn more about 
DevOps and what that really means. We offer a fin- foundational workshop to help clients, you know, identify potential work lights that would be fitting pretty good into that whole DevOps lifecycle. And then uh, a lot of monitoring. <laughs> so it's one of the things I did heavily before coming to uh, 3Cloud was monitoring, automation, and just tying those all together. Yeah, it, it's always kind of interesting um, talking about DevOps and, and hearing what companies think that means and what that means to different companies, right? And there's, I've always thought of it as there's kind of the, it's almost like the deployment monitoring, almost like load balancing stuff that you might put all in the kind of one bucket. And then some people think of um, DevOps as like building internal tools for our engineers and some companies kind of blend those together, right? So it's always interesting hearing like, what does this mean to you, right? Versus what it might mean to another company. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the weird thing. So like I said, I did join them back in February and I've now, I, I actually did a count of how many clients I've been with now since then. I've been with about 35 different clients Wow. on some <laughs> engagements where it's like, you know, two days, like a two day workshop. And then some of them have been like, you know, a few months long and it, you're right. Each one of them have their own perspective of what DevOps is and what it means to them. And what I've recently been doing a lot more of is, uh, is Azure uh, data, let's see, it's called ADAP. So it's Azure data, I forgot the, what the other A stands for, but platform, adopting okay. platform maybe, or adopt to data Azure platform. I don't know, something like that. But uh, it's essentially helping clients or customers uh, who are you know, in that whole data space, uh, either Databricks, um, Azure Synapse or something like that. One of those big mm-hmm. data, you know, systems, you know, get their CI, CD and DevOps on, you know, bring that to them too. And to them, that means something completely different. And I'm not talking like data ops. So that's a, that's a whole separate thing, but sure. just DevOps in general, just being able to automate the changes of their uh, database schemas or something like that. And, you know, deploying that continually to the lower environments and, you know, doing a good successful build and things like that. And to them, that means something completely different when you say like, Hey, we're going to show you to do, uh, you know, DevOps style practices. So CI CD kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about what your pathway into technology was? Did you go to the traditional computer science route or is it more self-taught and something in between? No. So actually I was an ops guy. Uh, so I went to college study for computer networking, mm-hmm. uh, took a part-time job working for Sears, just doing accounts payable. And, uh, while I was doing accounts payable, I wrote my first, uh, macro on Excel. Sure. Uh, so VBA. Yeah. VBA. And then just automated my job there, which turned into, Hey, we should put together a little business around that. So that became the whole automation route. Nice. Uh, started doing that and just, Continue to do more and more automation. Went into uh, from there, started doing more Python, um, C sharp stuff like that, and just fell in love with that side of it. So I was on an ops. I mean, I had I have an A plus certification. I got that, and so I was on a whole like ops course, sure. and then <laughs> veered off into software, and just I've loved it since then. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's interesting because I, uh, when I used to recruit for for DevOps roles back in the day, there was kind of like two different, or I feel like um, 
their traditional maybe old school mindset of like ops was like, oh, someone who did like had a networking background or a systems background and then picked up some scripting and then started coding. And then they like had this, this knowledge base that most people didn't have, right. They could do yeah. enough like coding that the, the, they needed to, to like actually be able to work with systems and build custom um, software when needed. But then they also understood the, the actual ops and the network side, right. Which like a lot of the devs are like, we got someone who handles that right uh it seems like now you see more people specifically trying to go into that coming out of like a computer science background but it's interesting because i feel like there is a lot of knowledge right that you probably have from years of working in that space of like not specifically always doing software development but understanding kind of how the system works as a whole right yeah yeah uh that tribal knowledge there oh you can't get past it i mean uh, some of the experiences at Coyote in the earlier days where it was like, you know, we had to actually do nitty gritty things. Sure. Um, I remember one time we, we ordered some server, we ordered a server that it was for a security team. It was racked, mounted up and running. The security team took it for a test ride, realized that that wasn't something that they wanted long-term and that wasn't part of their plan. So, you know, on the dev side, we were like, Hey, that hardware is sitting there we can uh, reutilize that hardware for our elastic cluster. Sure. So, you know, that became our elastic server and we knew how to, I mean, we knew where it was mounted at and racked at, which, uh, which rack of the data center was on and everything like that. So just became our hardware. There you go. Yeah. That's great. I mean, just being able to, to have that knowledge right? of like that, that yeah. can be ours now. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and I usually ask people kind of what their, their first job in, in the engineering world was, but it sounds like it's kind of unique for you, right? You kind of help create a role for yourself within series of you started to gain some of these technical skills. You had some of that background and then they kind of built, built a role around you there. Yeah. So they built the role around me and then we cloned me and we've spread that out across the country, that same role. Yeah. And it ended up being like five or six of us across the country doing that exact same thing. Uh, a little bit of shadow IT, but also at the same time, your traditional IT. And then from there, we, uh, I moved on into the corporate office and mm-hmm. took on a, uh, your traditional like BI manager. So this was in 2012, 2011. Sure. So what a BI manager then, it's not the same thing now. Uh, you know, how a couple of reporting analysts reporting to me and just, you know, managing data, understanding uh, the executive reports of what they wanted to see and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. These days, it's more about data intelligence, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of meetings, traditional corporate things. So uh, sure. an opportunity arose to come to Coyote and join them and start up a, uh, an automation group there uh, using some RPA technology and just seize that opportunity and went and joined them. Yeah. That's great. And then, um, can you just talk a little bit about kind of moving internally? I mean, both those companies are the places you moved internally and were with them for a number of years, right? I think that's something that you see software engineer tenure is pretty short at a lot of companies nowadays, right? Um, and, and I think that's, I don't know, there's some advantages to that, but maybe not for the company, right? Um, some advantages to the individual. So can you just speak to that and kind of that decision and how you were able to move around internally? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it is all about uh, keeping open communications with your manager and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, when I was at uh, Sears, like I said, I moved around internally and I got recognized by like one of our VPs was like, oh, hey, that's great. Can you do that here as well? And so that kind of started that whole idea. But, 
you know, later as I moved around, I think I stayed there in that same role for about uh, five or six years. Mm -hmm. And my, the person who originally hired me had moved into the corporate office and uh, mentioned that this role was coming up and opening up and thought it'd be good if I applied. It wasn't reporting to her, but she knew about the role in general. And she was like, Hey, that seems like a great next step for your career. So I moved into that role. Uh, Moving to Coyote, I uh, I played Xbox with uh, one of their CTOs. There you so, go. <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> it's the greatest end. story of like how you actually got recruited. I played Xbox with one of their CTOs. Um, we knew each other from going to uh, the SQL Saturday conferences, mm-hmm. which was a big thing back then. They're not around anymore. <laughs> but, <Sure. laughs> uh, you know, just big single day knowledge share sessions, you know, talk with people and then as we played more and more Xbox together, we realized like, Hey, actually I do a lot of the same things in common. Mm. Um, and so, you know, he said, Hey, I know that this is coming up. It's not part of my group, but they're actually recruiting for it actively. Mm. So I applied, um, I went in and I met with, let's see, actually her title was a CTO as well. So weird startup thing, I guess, you know, they had three CTOs sure. or three CIOs or something like that. But, um, so I ended up joining them. Um, she thought I would, I would be a great fit for her team. And I ended up joining them. And I think after a few years there, when we moved under a different VP, mm-hmm. uh, I took on their Salesforce system because mm-hmm. they had acquired another company, another two companies. And coming from Sears, I already had experience with Salesforce. Yeah. So help them transition that into uh, Coyote's uh, TMS and brokering software system. Once we sunset that, then we just kept that whole, you know, technical architect role, sorry, technical analyst role going on. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into more of being more of a developer advocate. So since I understood all the developer things, um, their needs, their educational needs, um, all of Coyote's technologies, it just blended together to be a good fit. Yeah. Can and can you um, share a little bit about? I, I think people hear that term "developer advocate" um, a lot now, but don't necessarily know what that that looks like, right? And I think it also means something different depending on if you're maybe externally facing at a company or maybe internally facing, right? Yeah, yeah. So this was a so Coyote actually ran theirs uh, as your traditional internal facing role, mm-hmm. and so what that meant was my whole my developers that I was advocating for and trying to educate were the internal developers. Mm. So part of it was like onboarding new developers, um, making them fit into the culture, helping them find, you know, buddies or, you know, mentors, um, if they were introverts or something like that, uh, educating some of our customers. I think, uh, I ended up having to work with two of our customers, um, working with our other partners as well. Uh, the, the customer side of it was mainly focused on these customers were using already an existing set of APIs. They just needed someone to have as a point of contact to be able to go for assistance and talk to. So just working with those folks and just making them fit in. So that would be your traditional developer advocacy things there. And then uh, getting onto the community. So, which is how I met you. Yeah. Um, so Coyote was part of, uh, let's see, the supply chain technology group or something like that. And I think I met you at one of their events. Yeah. 
a freight yeah. tech meetup. Freight, you know, that's what. Yeah, yeah. People in Chicago, if you're not in the freight tech world or haven't aren't aware, right? I, I mean, it's huge in Chicago. Coyote being a, a very large player, but you know, there's there's a whole slew of companies that are either in the logistics space, the third party logistics space, and then from that has become, I don't know, probably a million different software solutions <laughs> that that are trying to help I, that that. I saw a map a few weeks ago of it. And I remember, so when I joined Coyote, it was like Coyote was cutting edge Yeah, and they were forward thinking. They were, I mean, it's, you know, your freight business, you go, huh, freight, but they operated like a software company. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have your, your traditional sales group. And then from there, how you treat your software developers was just like a, you know, your, your traditional software company. Yeah. And now when you look at what Coyote started, we'll call them like they weren't the uh, the OG of it, but they were the next generation. And I think the next generation of those companies now, if you see what they're doing technology wise, it's like they've built onto it and it's just it's cool stuff. Yeah, a lot of like a lot of machine learning, a lot of just like self-solving solutions. It's just some cool stuff out there now. Absolutely. I, I uh, built, you know, a whole recruiting career out of the freight tech world. So I, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> there's a really interesting graphic. Um, I think it was American backhaulers was kind of the, the OGs. Um, and then from that was four founders that basically went off that went to, they basically found Coyote and then a whole slew of other companies. And it's really yeah. interesting seeing this tree of how it kind of splinters out. And it's, it's, I mean, a huge part of the tech landscape in Chicago now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, uh... You know, that would be an interesting graph to see where all the actual folks went to. Like you have Bill Drager who went to Uber Freight, mm-hmm. yeah. which was like Uber wasn't even in that business. And now look yeah. at them. Um, you have, let's see, Mick Yari. She's at another logistics firm now doing the same thing. She was one of their many like CIO strategy VPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Jeff Silfer, of course, who started like now just a software company. Right. Like it's a, a real like... Yeah. Uh, no, it's a uh, mastery mastery. Oh, I'm thinking, ooh, yeah. thinking, thinking of the other silver brother. Uh, I think oh, so that would be, Matt. uh, Matt. So Jeff yeah. is the dad. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Yep. Yeah. So Matt and then, uh, yeah. So Matt silver, yeah. started forager. So I mean like, and oh, there's some coyotes that went there too. I don't know who's really behind their tech. I've seen their, uh, their load board system. Mm-hmm. I think it's on par with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Try not to get sued. <laughs> yeah. It looks yeah. nice. It looks pretty. <laughs> uh, but then when you look at like some of the other, like, I mean, just in general, that whole tech thing, look what Redwood's doing Yeah, where they're turning the logistics thing into a platform. So it's like great story. My, uh, I have twin little brothers. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sidetrack it real quick. My, my yeah. twin little brothers and uh, one of them, he is a, he's in the army reserve. Mm-hmm. And so he has a, a commercial driver's license. And so like, you know, he figure it's a good mixture of just driving trucks while, you know, between, you know, serving his country. Yeah. And so he's got like two trucks and he's texting with me and he's like, yeah, I'm running loads for, you know, this, uh, I don't know. Can I say company names? Uh, sure. Okay? Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're he's just got his own, like, okay. He's just running, like he's running freight for um, Amazon just yeah. from their distribution centers between like Southern Illinois up to Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. 
So it's just like super simple stuff. And then he's like, but I want to do more and I don't know what to do. And so I have all this experience and knowledge and I'm just like, who would I send my brother to? Yeah. And I thought about it and I'm like, well, the technology is so cool there as an owner operator. Why don't you just go ahead and make it go like go on a load board and just book your own loads. Yeah. You don't need anybody anymore. And so like, I just like, I wrote him a little PowerShell script. It pulls like where he's at and then it hits uh, Redwood stuff, pulls back some locations for him that has like loads available. Just super simple stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, So technology in general, logistics industry, amazing. I just, I just look forward to the next generation now where they're going to go with these things. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit. um, How did you land in this, this most recent role here at three class? Yeah. So coyote did some reshuffling around. Uh, They did some layoffs. I guess like a lot of companies did, didn't know what to expect um, in the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. So I think they let go um, from the article I saw was like 300 something people mm-hmm. across the board. I don't know exactly how many of those were IT, but I know at least that, you know, at least 15 people from IT. Yeah. Um, and so that opened me up. Uh, at the same time, I was already talking with some of the other companies about possibly joining them. Mm-hmm. So I think I got laid off on a Friday and I accepted an offer to join these folks on a, uh, Wednesday of the following week. There you go. So it went pretty quickly. It's a little easier during a pandemic, right? (laughs) A little less. Yeah, this was right at the beginning. Yeah. So, and those those first, you know, few days, you know, don't do anything crazy. Don't go like post anything (laughs) crazy online. Yeah. You know, turn off your computer, relax. Yeah. Breathe, and then like, what am I want to do? What do I want to do? So. I was still friends with my boss from Coyote who gave me some great advice that helped me figure out what I wanted to do next. So I really do enjoy doing that whole developer advocacy thing. And I love teaching people and I really enjoy the whole consulting side of what I was doing. Hmm. And so it's a good mixture for me. I really enjoy spending time with different people, educating them on different things, like, like get strategy, just basic stuff like that. Like, yeah you know, just that aha moment. So, you know, working with the clients, three cloud, it's just amazing. Yeah, that's great. That, that makes a lot of sense. I was, I was kind of curious about that transition, but if you think about a developer advocacy and consulting roles, as long as it's like a true consultant, rather than a, you know, you're just going to be handed projects and expected to do all the work and hand it back. Right. Like an actual consultant role it is there's an education quality to it. Right. And you get to interact with people still, it's a little different than the, you know, 40 hours a week of punching a clock, handling tickets, right. And just sending them off. Yeah. I mean, I do speaking engagements. Technically I do three to four speaking engagements a week with yeah. PowerPoint decks and everything like that. Wow. So I think I, uh, the only thing I'm actually, I can say I'm reusing is the front slide, which is our company and the last slide, which is our thank you slide. Yeah. But everything in between, like I'm making new decks for each client and presenting it to them either i'm presenting work that i've done or a potential solution for them mm-hmm. and it's just azure is such a monster to be on a platform wise i mean there's so many technologies and i keep sure. telling our solutions folks like hey if we come across a client that wants to use azure orbit that whole like satellite thing i'm in yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah 
I will totally do that. That sounds so cool. Just imagine doing that with DevOps too. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's great. So have you done um, technical interviews lately, either internally or for your team or anything like that? No, actually. Uh, so a lot of our technical interviews for our team are actually done by uh, our practice director. And then we do uh, a couple other folks outside of that. Yeah. So you- um, now that our team's grown so much though, uh, his plans to go ahead and expand that out to some of the senior people on the team to do the interviews with them, which yeah. I think is a great idea. Um, our team now, when I joined, our team was five and we just hit 11 people, wow. but we have like roles open for another four or five acquisitions right now. So, I mean, yeah. we're growing. It's a lot of time spent on hiring, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one person doing all those interviews is pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. Were, were you involved in that process at Coyote in the past? Yeah. So I did like for Coyote, some of the, uh, more of the personality style interviews, not as much as the technical chops. Cause by then we already know to get the technical chops. It's yeah. just like, where would they fit in good at? Yeah. So what are, what are you typically evaluating for when you're, you're interviewing someone? Uh, so the last roles was mainly focused around like folks who would be good for like our dev team or uh, the robotic process automation team there. Uh, mainly, let's see, do they understand the technologies? Do they understand the a gist of what we do as a, a business? Um, more of a, where would they fit in kind of personality wise? Yeah. Uh, are they introverts, extroverts? Are they new, <laughs> not new, you know, to this sure. whole, whatever role they're coming into. So, and you do see that, like uh, you see people who may transition from a, a, a service desk role over to like wanting to be a, an entry level engineer, software engineer. Yeah. So that's a, that could be a big jump there, depending on their experience or their knowledge. So you can't really judge them all by like, you know, do they have a, college background in this or not. So it's more of like, Hey, why do you want to do this? And you know, tell me about it. Yeah. What makes you interested in this role? Yeah. And it sounds like you're someone who, who enjoys constantly learning um, and, and kind of acquiring that knowledge. Like you mentioned, right. If, if we have a chance to use this technology at your current job, like you want to be the person to, to do that. Right. Um, is that something that you're looking for in interviewers? I guess what are the skill sets in particular or mindsets you're looking for? Yeah, so we're looking for those same kind of things like that. Uh, you know, a quest for knowledge. You know, the, the weirdest thing about being in DevOps is it's never going to be the same. Sure. It's always continual improvement. So uh, technologies are changing. So you always got to stay ahead and learn, keep learning. It's just, do they have a quest and thirst for that? Want to keep learning or are they going to be like, cool, I'm in, I'm good. I'll just keep doing the same way, same thing, you know, like you said, like in a factory, just, you know, keep punching out the same things. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's tough, right? Cause it's to some extent, it's exhausting sometimes to keep learning, keep trying new things, but that is the job, right? Uh, At the end of the day, like things are going to change. Um, Like HTML is probably always going to be around. Right. But so you see, even within that world, right. There's, Oh, now we're using components within HTML using a different technology and we got to figure out how to, yeah. how to handle that. Right. Like it's the same type of thing, the same framework. Right. But you're doing it in drastically different ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, uh, it, it keeps it interesting. Yeah. yeah. I guess you yeah. could say the knowledge is really a CI/CD pipeline, right? So it's just that whole infinity loop. Sure. So you learn yeah. something, you do something, you learn something new. I love it. Um, how do you think in the past you've done a uh, technical interviews when you were interviewing? So, uh, I'm trying to think back to the last technical interview, uh, when I was at coyote. Uh, so there's two parts to it. Uh, it was a technical part where asked the person technical questions. Mm-hmm. And then from there, uh, gave them some, uh, a sample project to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then see what they could produce from that and give them a, you know, a time of like, Hey, an hour, um, nothing related to, you know, our business, but just enough to see, can they use their technical skills to complete the task? Yeah. And so once they completed the task or, you know, they thought they were complete with the task then talk with them about it. Like what was their thinking onto it? Why did they do things a certain way? Um, what didn't they think about, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff or, now that they've done it and they've talked through it, what would they do different? Sure. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And and on the other side of the table, like when you were in a position where you were interviewing for roles, did, did, did how do you feel about technical interviews? Like, do you love them, Ooh. hate them? <laughs> somewhere in between? Uh, so as you said earlier, the hottest thing right now on the market is uh, DevOps skills. So, yeah. um, I, I posted on LinkedIn uh, after leaving Coyote that I wasn't there anymore and I was looking for a new opportunity and I said what I wanted to do and I posted uh, 10 cities that I was interested in. Uh, my wife and I are not, geolo- we're not geographically bounded. Sure. So I posted 10 cities and it was just like, I got, uh, I think I did 79 interviews in two weeks. Wow. So even though I knew who I wanted to go work for already and I had, you know, I was doing my interview process with them. I still was kept interviewing because you don't know for sure. Sure. And uh, I had 79 interviews in two weeks and it was so busy that I actually ended up using, I learned about calendarly yeah, yeah. to schedule my, so I would just send the recruiters my link, like, Hey, here's it. You could see like time available for me. And I think they say, uh, finding a job is like a full-time job. Yeah. And I mean, it's true from 8 a.m. until about 1 p.m. I was interviewing every day, like back to back. Yeah. Hour, wow. hour to hour and a half interviews with folks. Um, and then the rest of the day I spent on building my knowledge. So working on my certifications, like Azure certifications Mm-hmm. And just like cranking through that too. Cause I had free time. So, um, those interviews though, during that time were all over the board. So sure. of course, you know, usually the HR ones, you know, your first uh, technical recruiter interview ones, those are easy peasy. Those are just like, Hey, is this guy? No. Like, does he meet what's on the paper? Yep. Yes. That's easy. The next interview, those ones range and those become everything from, uh, I, uh, I interviewed with one competitor to coyote and I won't say their name, but, um, that was the only interview where at the end of the interview, I I said, I don't think we're going to be a good match. Sure. Yeah. And, and that was mainly because the questions they were asking me, it was around Azure, 
but it wasn't like they were interviewing me to uh, see if I would be a good fit for their company or if I had the technical knowledge. I felt like they were harvesting information from me. Oh, interesting. Like, how did you do this at Coyote? And then I never <laughs> answered those questions. Like, I would say, like, I'm not, I can't tell you how to do that, but I will tell you, here's a way that I would do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you have that as a problem, like, here's what you could do to solve that problem. Um, I mean, I even what did a whiteboarding session with them where, uh, trying to remember we were doing, uh, microservices. And so, uh, I did a whiteboarding session with them where I designed for them, uh, how to do some monitoring around a set of microservices. Mm -hmm. And I offered them like four different solutions for that. And they were like, Oh, great. Well, what would the cost be? And I'm like, well, I don't feel like that's a question really you should be asking me. That's probably a question you should be asking a salesperson. Yeah. So, and by then I kind of realized like, I don't really like these people. Like, yeah, uh, it was a senior role there. So, I mean, I would expect that from a senior role, but I still didn't think, I think they saw me as a coyote that they could get versus, sure. and that's not what I was really about. But yeah, no, it, it ranged. It depends on interviewing during COVID times is a little bit different. Yeah. So I think I did uh, three on-site interviews, mm -hmm. um, a lot of whiteboarding over my screen shares. So I have a Surface Pro, so it's easy to draw on. There you go. Um, that helps a lot, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... I think uh, there was one retailer that I worked with and um, I ended with the interview of, I don't think I'm the right person for you, but I think I know someone who would be. And yeah. actually my friend went to go work there. Oh, wow. which was a perfect fit for them. So even like a little like, Hey, this may be better for you than me. And yeah. I told them like, Hey, actually, I think they said they didn't think I was a good fit, but I was like, yeah. And I agree with you. And I think this person may be a better fit for what you're looking for which yeah. worked out really well. And then the other companies I interviewed were, were the software, your software companies, traditional mm -hmm. software companies, um, all great companies, all yeah. winners. Yeah. So nice. But so you felt like the interviews went from, you know, some of them pretty straightforward and things you'd expect. And then some of them kind of out of left field, but, but all good companies overall, like no like major concerns other than maybe that one company. Yeah, just that one company and yeah, like I don't know where they're gonna be long term. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So Yeah. Well there's almost um and and you know, very aware of this having been a recruiter in the past when like if there's layoffs or anything, especially if there's competitors who know about those there's almost like this shark in the water type of thing where you're like, Oh, like we can like get some of these people and get that mind share from like our competitor right away. Like I made a mistake very early in my recruiting career where like I sent a message to someone who I, I like some company had done some layoffs, right. And like, I had been reaching out to people at those companies and I was not very, this is, you know, months into my recruiting career, not very tactful. And I think I was just like, Hey, heard there was layoffs. I have some jobs, right? Like not very, 
aware of the fact of like, oh, it's a person on the other end of this message, right? Who's probably going through like some shit because they just got laid off, right? Um, and the person thankfully was really nice and said like, hey, I wasn't impacted, but you should maybe be a little bit more aware of your messaging. Like there are there are people I know who got laid off here and this is a not a happy, like they would probably be upset if they saw your message, right? Rather than thinking, oh, great, you have jobs for me, right? Because you're not exactly doing it in the most... Um, the most thoughtful way. And I was like, Oh, thank you for that. Because yes, I was, you know, 22 and very ignorant of how that, that can impact your yeah. life and your family and everything. Um, but also help me like recognize going forward, like, okay, yes, there is like some opportunity to help people in these situations. But if you give off this, like, shark coming after a fresh meat type of vibe when you're doing that, like people are going to sense that a, a mile away. Right. And maybe yeah. that company had a, had a little bit of that. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that may have been some of the situation there. Um, I do know that they were just beginning their, you know, internal growth. Uh, they are, I mean, they are Microsoft customers as well. Um, they are not three cloud customers. I'll say that much. They are not our customers, <laughs> but um, no, I think uh, their long-term strategy or their short-term strategy at that time, uh, I think it's hopefully in a better situation for them. But yeah. um, the other companies though, like just interviewing with them, it just, they were more about, wow, this person has all this knowledge and mm -hmm. can use these skills. And is it a good fit? you know, kind of questions. Yeah. Um, I think I did each company, uh, at least one technical interview mm -hmm. and it was a, a demo of either, uh, let's see, some of them were for C, I mean, for uh, DevOps roles. So it was like, can you write some PowerShell in Python for us and, you know, move some files around Yeah. and just did that for them in a the browser. Uh, I did one coding test for a company and I was like, can you write code? And I was like, Shh, no, but I'll do it anyway. Let's try this. Sure. And, you know, like, I don't consider myself to be a code writer. Like if someone said, like, do you write code? I would always say no, because I understand it. Like if I mm -hmm. see something on the screen and I know that there's an error there, like I can figure out how to fix it. If I, if I needed to like automate something at home, you know, I, I could do that. Yeah. Like, but I wouldn't consider myself to be a code writer. Like I just a problem solver. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I did actually pretty good on that one. Like it was like, Hey, go fix this. And like, can you write this to do something with this? And it was like, yeah. Um, it may not be not the, the approach that your traditional, like, you know, software engineer would have taken, mm -hmm. but I did it. So there yeah. you go. Um, the questions I was asked by three cloud were around, choices and technologies. Mm -hmm. So the interview with them, I, uh, I did, I believe I interviewed with seven people. So I did an interview with a technical recruiter, uh, interviewed with my boss and he just asked a bunch of questions. Uh, my boss is located in another state. So he asked a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. I did a, uh, on-site interview to their office where I met with my boss's boss. And we talked a lot about uh, consulting and philosophy around consulting. And he wanted to just really see if I understood what I was doing and how everything okay. worked. And cause uh, they don't usually hire folks who are not consultants. So that was very different for them at the time. 
but he did see the correlation, you know, between being a developer advocate, the type of work I was doing, traveling, meeting with all kinds of clients, meeting with potential employees, like, um, and things like that and how they work. So he found a good correlation there. Um, my technical interviews were with, uh, folks who were on the infrastructure side, Mm -hmm. um, and one person from my group. And those questions were mainly around uh, different Azure technologies, how I would apply them, how I solve for problems with them. Um, so a lot of questions around uh, things you would find on like the the Azure certification test. Yeah. Which were right. actually kind of, it kind of worked out well because I had been studying for those things. So sure. I kind of knew everything around it, the core concepts. I think there was one that I wasn't as familiar with. And that was, um, it was like in uh, security, the security products from Azure. And that's mainly because yeah. like, I never had to do any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, it's a little bit of a different some world, logging. Right? Yeah, so, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not really familiar with it, but I know where to Google it. And yeah. He actually thought that was a good answer. <laughs> so, I mean, if you don't know, I can go figure that out. Like, and plus the likelihood of I actually ran into it at the time was rare. Now I do it a lot though. Yeah, sure. Well, like you said, Azure is a beast, right? There's a lot going on in the platform. So you can't know everything, right? Right. And, and I think often the goal of the interview too, is like, see how far can we push, like how broad is this person's knowledge and then kind of figure out where the edges are. And then like, how deep is their knowledge in the area that they do have? Right. So it's like, do you right. know this? If you don't, that's fine. Right. Then we'll keep, we'll move on to stuff that you do know well, and then try to go deep within that world. Right. Or at least hopefully yeah. that's what good interviews look like. Right. Yeah. Uh, do so you actually, any... we are part of in, in our company. We have a DevOps community. Yeah. Uh, where we do knowledge sharing and education inside. And I run the ops community. So it seems to be like I focus more on the operations aspects of things around, you know, DevOps yeah. versus the uh, dev side of things internally. So Which I'm is- educating all of our new hires, um, bringing them new things every month from yeah. uh, Azure operations and introducing them to other third-party tools like Datadog, New Relic, mm-hmm. um, AppDynamics, just like solutions that work really well with Azure. Yeah, that's great. When Can you just share a little bit more about that? Because I think some companies have something formal like that in place, and then a lot of companies maybe not as much. Um, can you just share a little bit about what that looks like functionally at your company? Yeah, so um, our company, we're, vo- we're broken up into a couple of things. So we're broken up first by what's called practices. Mm-hmm. So the practice that I'm part of is our app dev, DevOps practice. Um, which means like folks who do consultants who are app dev or DevOps, they all fall under the same practice. Mm-hmm. And then inside those practices, we usually have different communities. So we have like Kubernetes, we have, you know, IOT, we have app dev, then we have DevSecOps community. And then there's another practice that's like the operations community. So my journey when I joined uh, three cloud, uh, the first client I went on was a um, it was a DevOps project. Uh, the second client I joined on was what's called an Azure landing zone. Mm-hmm. And that is a heavy operations project where 
uh, clients are moving to Azure for the first time. And so you're building out everything new, network, infrastructure, like so. And since coming from a DevOps perspective to this, to do this kind of project, I picked it up really quickly. Um, And so that just became like, more and more, I ended up doing more and more those like helping clients and operations side for like the first six months. Yeah. And the practice uh, director there needed someone to co-run their community with a lot of knowledge around monitoring systems. Mm-hmm. And so he asked me to do it. So it's a little like, I'm not in my area, but I'm in another area, but I'm running it. Uh, we're doing really good. I think we have about 30 members so people who actually may not necessarily be in that ops group, but they want to learn more about it, um, who are actively attending things. And that kind of ties into my community that I run outside of work, which is the Chicago Monitoring Enthusiast Group. Yeah. Could you share a little bit about that as well? Yeah. So um, the Chicago Monitoring Enthusiast Group is a, it's a group of folks who just use different monitoring tools. Mm-hmm. Um from all around Chicago. I should probably change the name to Chicago land because I don't go to Chicago anymore. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Chicago land or Chicago greater area. Um, but uh, it's just uh, Chicago monitoring.com and it'll take people straight to our user group. I don't know mm-hmm. if we're going to stay on meetup long-term um, or if we may move to another platform, but usually we just go off the URL. Uh, we talk about uh Amazon Web Services and monitoring around those tools. Uh, we talk about monitoring things on-prem. We talk about monitoring things on uh, private clouds like Oracle uh, infrastructure or something like that, or uh, monitoring stuff in your house. You know, <laughs> just, just yeah, it's 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 enthusiast really. So you get a mixture of everyone. Sure, that's awesome. Uh, as far as um, technical interviews, do you have any tips um, for folks to, to that you would want to share? Um, be people going into technical interviews or just interviews in general? You know, if they have, what do you say, seventy-eight interviews in the next two weeks that are booked? Yeah. Uh, first things first, like you know, know what you're interviewing for. So, I mean, each company is different. Um, understanding fully what they're looking for is very key. Uh, if you go do your research on Google, um, not about the company, but about the people who work at the company. Mm-hmm. That was really helpful. So like um, one of the companies I interviewed with, the job description just had the title in it and it had some like basic information about their company. And so I just went on LinkedIn, looked at the company, looked for people who had that same role and just looked at their experience to see what they do there, like what they talk about, some people talk about projects, some people talk about different technologies. And so just you know, understanding fully what, uh, what is expected or what you possibly could be doing in that role and what kind of technologies you may be using. Yeah. Uh, I think you see more companies these days do list the technologies on there uh, or fairly close to the names of the technologies. Like there's some that may be like the names may have changed three times, but the, you know, the technical person or, HR person may not know the names of it, sure, but yeah. just the idea. So, yeah. Uh, another thing is, come with uh, you know your questions. Like, if you're concerned about you don't really like to do something, be upfront about that. Like, hey, I am really good at uh, automating these processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I'm really bad at, you know, doing these things. So I'm trying to think of like something that I would say, like, uh, I really don't like writing code. I yeah. can do it, but I really don't want to have to. So if something's not going to work, when we go to deploy, I'm going to say your code doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to fix your code for you. <laughs> so you know, just, you know, being upfront about those kind of things like that. Or if you're shy and you don't like to write, you know, white papers or documentation, or you love to write white papers and documentation, then say that opposed to you rather not have to do a presentation for something. Sure. That makes a lot of sense being upfront about what your actual, one, what your skill set is, but to your interests, right? I think that that's also yeah. what sets you up for success long-term rather than, you know, you get put in a role where you're doing a bunch of things that you don't actually enjoy, right? Yeah. I, um, I also try to do when I'm interviewing people to find out about them personally. For me, I'm really passionate about uh, my home automation. So I usually talk about that, like, uh, and I don't like just like all of a sudden just start talking about it. It's more like, you know, so what do you like to do outside of work? Like, uh, do you do any kind of cool things at home? Like, I like, I love my Plex server. Sure. <laughs> I love uh, my Unraid server, you know, things like that. And then that usually opens them up just to see like, you know, are they thinking about those things? Do they do these? Like, is this a passion of theirs? Yeah. Is technology a passion for them or is this just a job? And I'm not saying like that sways me when I'm interviewing a person, but it's more of like kind of making them feel more comfortable. Like, tell me about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> kind of question. Yeah. Well, and it's hard too, because some of, sometimes if you don't ask those types of questions, you don't know. Um, and, and you just don't get a great signal from someone if they don't necessarily offer it either. And I had um, a client out a good example of this in the past, where it was a candidate that they were interviewing and said like, it was a pretty stale conversation and it was a recruiter screen. So a lot of those are pretty, you know, straightforward. And the person was kind of on the edge of if they thought they would be a good fit or not. Um, and then they asked them like, what do you, so like, what are you, what are you interested in? Or like, what do you do for fun? And he said, all of a sudden the candidate went from talking like kind of just you know, obviously spitting out HR answers that the HR person was looking forward to talking about how they love organizing music festivals. They're like, Oh, I've organized three small music festivals in the last two years. And then the person was like, I would have no idea. But then we talked for an extra half hour about music festivals. Right. And like, it has nothing yeah. to do with engineering, but all of a sudden this person who I was talking to actually made an impression. And they told me about these three websites that they built to organize these festivals. Right. Which is a whole different, like, obviously I'm going to, uh, mark that versus like, yeah, this person was okay. didn't have a lot of great answers or just, just kind of middle of the road. Right. So actually yeah. trying to figure that stuff out goes a long way. That actually makes me think of like, uh, so our technical and recruiter, when I joined three cloud, we only had one yeah. and he was doing all the technical and, uh, interviews, sorry, all of the, uh, additional like interviews with folks. Mm -hmm. And he's so good at getting you to open up and talk about those kind of things. That I think, uh, so my first day in the office was the last day that our office was open pre-COVID. Sure. Uh, so I went 526 days without actually going to the office. And then when I finally saw him again, I was like, oh my gosh, we have so much to catch up on. We talked about, <laughs> you know, our fame, we do, uh, we have a lot of shared common interest. Uh, yeah. I live in Kane County. So I live at the Northern part of Kane County. He lives at the Southern part. So we're both in this rural community kind of situation where we sure. have like 
two cops in our town, you know, like stuff <laughs> like that. So yeah. we talked about our passions and interest in like dogs, kids, horses in the neighborhood, cattle, yeah. <laughs> those kind of things. Um, and it's just like, wow, like you don't really connect that well with people unless you're really good at, you know, the Ford. You ever heard of that? Fording people no. Ford technique. So if you're looking for something to ever talk with someone about, you talk with them about, uh, you can trigger something from them uh, to get them to talk by asking them four questions about family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. Yeah. So if you, you ask them one of those four questions, that usually opens them up to be able to give you more information. So I think the best uh, recruiters and technical recruiters will usually come with you with those. Yeah. And as a, a person interviewing, if you come back at them with those questions right there, and you turn the interview around on it, it becomes really helpful. Yeah. I'm writing this down. This is great. Uh, I, I, I've heard this it, once you said that I was like, Oh, I've heard this in the past, but I, I think often I'm in a spot where I'm like, I, I tell people, I don't really like small talk all that much. I like big talk, right? Like let's talk about something yeah. that's actually like interesting, right? Rather than just how's the weather. Right. And I think yeah. that stuff actually drives to something more interesting and substantial than, Oh, you know, it's been warm. Right. <laughs> yeah cool do you do you have any different advice for for early career engineers or would it be the same advice you know um i do i mean uh i would say a lot of it is like you you mentioned that one person who's involved in music festivals yeah. find something that you're passionate about and actually capitalize on that to help subsidize those some of those career skills you may have sure um earlier in my career when uh, the question was like hey do you have management experience uh Yes, I do. I, I worked for, I mean, I volunteered with a non-for-profit where I run an organization that has over 2000 members Yeah, and all 2000 members reported to me. So yes, I do. I yeah. managed a budget or uh, a festival. Um, you know, that was a multi thousand dollar project or a million dollar budget uh, across the state or something like that. So never, you know, underestimate the, the opportunity to volunteer and help someone else do something good that could subsidize some of those skills for you. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows a group that could use a website. If you're a web developer yeah. or an app, <laughs> you know, just a small app to help them out in their office. Uh, if you're an app developer and it doesn't take much time, plus you know those skills already. Yeah, absolutely. There's a company, um, I believe they're based out of Chicago still called the difference engine and their whole goal is basically helping create websites and, and applications for nonprofits. And yeah. I think they take, um, when I was working with them, it was, they basically, they were uh, bootcamp graduates to basically do their like a little apprenticeship with them and help, um, kind of build websites. And then they had something real to show, right? Like this is an actual yeah. thing I built that's live. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, that's something you can do, um, on your own, right? You don't need a whole company to help you do that. Like you, if you live nearby a, an animal shelter and you know, their website was built in 1980, right? <laughs> you could go yeah, and exactly. say like, Hey, I can yeah. make something nice and you know, a week and a half and you can spend it up. Like, and that's something you can talk and, and care about. Right. Yeah. Or, uh, a church or boy scout group or <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're adventurous enough, go visit your, uh, your local, uh, you know, city hall and see yeah. what they need help with. So. Absolutely. Uh, great. Well, before we wrap up, um, any other tips, anything else to share or 
Well, I always ask people, um, you know, maybe for, for folks uh, to relate to and know that uh, it's not the end of the world if they have a bad interview. Any interviewing horror stories you're willing to share? Uh, let's see. Uh, in, interviewing, I, I try to block the bad ones out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so I got to really search now for a bad one. Uh, I'm assuming one of those 79, definitely. There was definitely a bad one in there. But I, uh, no, yeah, man, that's a hard question there. I'll have to, I, I really don't know a bad one now. So now if I find a bad one, I'll definitely post it to LinkedIn. Sure. Yeah. Hey, well, that's, that's <laughs> and then a, go back and read that. <laughs> a good place to be. I mean, maybe the, the horror story is having to do 70, 79 interviews in, in uh, a couple of weeks, right? That's <laughs> while yeah. studying for certifications it's, too, uh, right? Yeah. And I, uh, I started writing a blog post about this. So I got to mention this, this is the key part to it. And yeah. I, I think I figured out the formula to the reason why I got so many interviews so quickly was because the way my resume was designed mm. and, uh, I didn't know for sure if it was a formula or not, but my friend was unemployed for a year and a half. She's, a um, she does, uh, she was like a utility worker for, um, a utility service provider mm-hmm. and she had gotten, um, fired. So she was, uh, we were talking about you know, her resume and she's like, yeah, you know, I said, send me your resume. Let's take a look at it. And I looked at her resume and I applied the same formula mm-hmm. to her resume that I applied to mine. So I know my formula actually works. Um, she ended up getting like five interviews within a week after posting her new resume that I had helped her fix. Um, And it's not something that I came up with, by the way, I do my research before I even started doing my resume, but um, I mean, we know technology and, you know, as uh, recruiters, you know, they have to go out and find tons and tons of people. So they're looking for keywords in the resume. So the key part is when you're, when you're doing your resume, you put those keywords into it Mm -hmm. um, that for the roles that you're interested in. So if the role that you're interested in, um, we'll say like, uh, like it's a developer advocate role, or I'm sorry, a software developer role, and you use certain technologies, like they're looking for someone who does React, um, Node.js, SQL, um, and then like, we'll see like one of the big three cloud providers like Google or something like that. Yeah. Make sure you have those in your resume. Right. That you have experience with it or even, I mean, like if you don't have experience with it, don't, I mean, don't say that you have experience with it, but if you can, you know, identify how, what they're looking for is related to something that you've done in the past, that's going to be very key. Like it will open up doors for you left and right. Yeah. 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 I, I did have 79 interviews, but I probably applied to like 200 companies. Sure. So, I mean, the, the keyword tracking is definitely key to it to get you through that first round. And then when you're actually doing your first interview, a personality, like can't be quiet and shy. <laughs> sure. So, <laughs> sure. Well, you can, it just, it's harder, right? Like it, it's yeah. going to be harder to make an impression. And then like I was talking about that example with the, the music festival, 
that person was probably going to go into a, a maybe bucket. And at the end of the day, the maybe bucket at most companies is actually a no bucket, right? Like it's a, yeah. it's only a, if we get through all the yeses and they don't work out, then we might go back to the maybes. Right. So, yeah. um, it's, it, I think making an impression is, is, I mean, I, you mentioned earlier, like saying something you're passionate about or sharing some passion. Um, when I was recruiting and, and hiring for, for recruiting roles, I used to ask people those types of questions. And sometimes people would tell me what their passion was. And I would go, okay, well, that's not like going to be like what you're interested in, what you want to do is not what we're offering. Right. But I'm very yeah. glad that we both know this, you know, 25 minutes into this call, instead of six months into you working here. Right. Um, yeah. So like, I guess if someone desperately needed a job, maybe, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but if you already have a job and you can kind of be in a position where you're a little bit more selective, like actually sharing that and being fine with a company going, Oh yeah, that's not, you know, we don't, we're not able to offer any of that. It's going to save you a lot of grief in the long term, run, Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I did do an interview with a company and I told them my salary requirement and they told me I was outside of their, the range. Yeah. A week later, the recruiter followed up with me and said that she had talked with, uh, she enjoyed her interview so much that she had talked with their leadership and they were able to meet my salary requirements. So that's a key part. Like, you know, being able to, you know, fully explain things, what you do, what you're passionate about, uh, what you're looking for, you know, recruiters will do their best to try to fulfill those requirements. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much. I mean, um, can you plug, uh, three cloud, anything else, um, that, that, that you want to get the word out about the, sounds like the user group in, in Chicago, yeah. Chicago land. Uh, I think I'm going to plug three cloud. So, I mean, uh, if you're looking for a job in Chicago land or actually anywhere in the United States, um, three cloud is definitely looking for more consultants. Um, we just have a high demand of business and our website is uh, three cloud solutions.com yeah. uh, on there. Or you could find me on LinkedIn. So I'm assuming you'll post my LinkedIn in the bottom somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so find me on LinkedIn and I definitely have the most recent postings going on there. Usually around app dev, uh, infrastructure positions, DevOps roles, um, project manager roles, everything from, we'll say like uh, maybe second, second year as a project manager role and up mm -hmm. kind of experience. So not quite intro, I mean, entry, but you know, not quite a season, but we have everything in between and also season professionals. Yeah. So, yeah. Great place to come join, do your career thing. You'll love it. So cool. I'm trying to recruit you too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's yeah, well, welcome. I love so, it. Uh, Great. Well, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Yeah. It was great catching up with you. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for watching the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.